Okay, good morning. Again. So we are we are coming here towards the, the you know the the, the next book, uh towards the ending of of, of Parshas Bracious. We're in our our um, sugya, the just the beginning of the sugya of the waters of Noach. And um, we're learning today, I want to note, we're learning today Le'ilu Nishmas Miriam Bas Chaim Dov and Le'ilu uh, Nishmas Mordechai Ben Yehuda. Also today we're learning still Le'ilu Nishmas Mordechai Ben Baruch. And Shavu'alias Nishmasa. So uh, what we'd like to, what I'd like to accomplish here today is, uh, is a, a, a couple of very important and uh, very important finishing points on Pasuk Hay, what we call Pasuk Hay in Perik Vav. I'm sorry, Pasuk Vav in Perik Vav. Vayinochem Hashem ki asa asadam ba'aretz and Hashem regretted that he had made man on the earth and he was sad to his heart. We spent a lot of time already talking about this Pasuk with some of the explicit ramifications which have been brought out by the Midrashim, by the Mepharshim, what does it mean? Hashem changes his mind, regrets. What does it mean? Hashem's sadness. How are we supposed to understand all of that? However, what I would like to focus in here is on two words that are found here in this Pasuk. Uh, we, we have made certainly one of these notes before. The other one I do not think we have made together around this table. Uh, and two words which are not new words. They're not new words in the story of Voracious. They're not necessarily new words in this context. Lemech lived 82 years, he gave birth to his son. We learned in the last paragraph. He called his name Noach, saying, This one will comfort us from our actions and from the toil of our hands from the earth that Hashem has cursed. You see what's in that Pasuk? In the name of Noach, Yinachameinu Meitzvayn Yadeinu. Two major words, two major roots. Yinachameinu is comfort us. Whatever, again, change of heart. Whatever it means, Itzvayn Yadeinu, the toil, the pain, the sadness of our hands. Nechama veitzavon. And in this pasuk that we read here, Perek Vav pasuk pasuk Vav, Vayinochim Hashem kiyasa l'sodim ba'aretz vayisatzei velibay. Hashem was comforted or regretted that he made man on the earth and he was saddened to his heart. Noach, in his birth, there was promise. And the promise was that he would be, bring comfort from the sadness, from the toil of the hands that had been imposed upon humankind as a result of the sin. Noach would make things better. Noach would heal the world from the curse, the trajectory of curse, the, continua- the continuous growing curse, it seemed, that had started when Adam and Chava had sinned in Gan Eden. Noach was going to turn things around. And we spoke extensively back then when we read that, read that Pasuk about, so how do you compare what Noach's promise was, what was expected, what was perhaps in the Nevuah, maybe the prophetic words that were being offered in the name that Noach was given, and what ends up happening? Because actually in Noach's time, there's utter destruction that's rained down upon the world. Utter destruction. And the world has to start again. Noach plays an important role in the world starting again. But... Did he bring comfort to the world? Or was he the one who was standing there on guard while terrible, terrible destruction, revolutionary destruction was brought upon the world? So we talked about how, you know, what this really means. Nayach may have brought certain certain solutions, did did make the toil of the hands less, and, uh, and was able to accomplish something in the, on that end, you know, without any doubt. Neach accomplished some things, but there's a great ambiguity, like we've seen and we've learned is a consistent thing in the Torah, about the possibilities. Maybe Neach could have brought true comfort. Maybe the world didn't have to be destroyed. Maybe he would have brought things in a much softer way, much more of, a, of an organic <coughs> transformation of the world than this kind of a horrible traumatic revolution. I remember what we've pointed out 
before that you know Noach and Yoyna both have this idea of the world is going to be destroyed. See if you can change. Yoyna was successful. So Chazal have a beautiful, beautiful statement where they say that Yoyna gave a nevuah. Hashem said to him, 40 days and Ninveh will be overturned. So what happened to that nevuah? Says the Gemara, it was overturned. It just wasn't overturned traumatically. It was revolutionized spiritually. What does the word revolution mean? Overturn, right? It was revolutionized spiritually. Their harata, their regret, what they took to heart that made them change. It was a different city after Yonah, after Yonah came there. Right? Maybe that was the possibility of Nayach. Instead, we have destruction. And in that destruction, the sharp dagger of the words of Perek Vav, Pasek Vav, come. Vayinachem Hashem, ki osa es ha'odam ba'oretz vayiz atzev elibai. Noyach was supposed to bring comfort. He was supposed to bring nechama, peace from itzavain, from anguish. And instead, in the time of Noyach, there's divine anguish. And instead of comfort, there is Hashem's regret at creation, which leads to the next Pasuk, Pasuk Zion, where Hashem says, I'm going to destroy the world. You would hardly call that Yenachamenu, comforting in the simple sense. So what's happening? Right, this Pasuk is the cutting down to size, so to speak, of the nevuah that Lemach had, the words that Lemach said as hope and prayer and prophecy at the birth of Nayach. This one's going to bring us comfort from all the anguish and the sorrow. And instead, what do we find? We find Hashem regretting creation, having to destroy it, and having sadness. So while, yes, we allowed before in the original translation of the verse to say, well, maybe this means, you know, that, you know, in the end there's going to be this nice peaceful thing, right? The dove with the, with the olive branch, you know, nice peaceful, the peaceful vision for all time. Hanoach will bring comfort, the lapping waters at the hull of the teva, you know, and so on and so forth after the whole storm. But come on. Right, this Pasuk, it uses the same words, it revisits the same words to describe the destruction about to happen. This is not the ideal way for the hopes of Nayach to be fulfilled. You must notice that in the Pasuk. But let's go one more step. In that Pasuk, in Perkei, it said, he'll relieve us from the Eitz, from, from the Eitz Avoin, Yadenu, the anguish of our hands, from the Adama, from the earth, Asher Era Hashem, the HaKadosh Baruch Hu cursed. So where do you find that word, Itzavon? What's that a reference to? Excuse me for one second. What's it a reference to? It's a reference to a Pasuk we have in Parishas Perek Gimel. After Adam and Chava eat from the Eitz Hadas, they each get a curse. And Adam Arishan got a curse. Arura Hadama Bavurecha. The earth is accursed on your account. With Itzavain, which is toil, anguish, sadness, usually, you know, Hazairim Bedima, those who plant with tears. Right? That's the. Planting with tears, there's a certain uh, right that a person has in the uh, in the process of this uh, of this work of this work that has to be uh, that has to be done. With this itzavon, you shall eat of it. You shall partake of it all of the days, all of the days of your life. I I just would would would. Uh, would um, call to your attention that the root etzev occurs in the Tyra only here 
the curse of Chava, through sadness, you will have have uh, children toil, right? The tsar, what we call the anguish of Gidelbanim, of, ra- of raising children. We have uh, the curse to Adam Arishon that follows. We have the Pasuk here by Nayach. You know, by the woman, you have Tupsuk, Mahaber, Beitz, Fainech, Beherainech. This is where this term is used. And here, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, He was sad, saddened unto his heart. When Adam and Chava sinned, the world, which was supposed to be easy for them, Adam and Chava are creators of life. They're creators of life. The woman creates life by having children. Now, the creation of life for the woman will come with great anguish and pain. There's no more intense pain that a person will experience as a matter of course than childbirth. Right? right? Men have kidney stones. Right? They say it's that's what the, the, the thing is. It's a little bit like childbirth. To produce life, not easy. A man, what's a man's production of life? So a man's production of life is michya. Michya is food. Wait, the man's job in producing life is producing the life-giving force, as we've discussed many times, the life-giving substances, the food that the man has to do for a living. The parallel to the curse of the woman of the difficulty in her production of life, in being the homemaker, is the difficulty in the man and his career to be able to bring home food. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu says to him, in the production of life. It got worse, the model maybe would make it better. But look what happens. I think you have, we have to read this Pasuk radically. You know, when man sinned, when Chava sinned, stage one, you know, so what happens? The world continues to exist. Hashem's creation goes on. It's harder for man to produce life. It's harder for a woman to produce life. But you know what's happening over here? Is it's harder for HaKadosh Baruch to produce life. The curse of Yitzhavayin, of sin, has now extended itself. That HaKadosh Baruch Hu has to destroy his world. That's Hashem's Yitzhavayin. The end of this story of Parshas Bereshis is where the curse extends to creation as a whole. And now it's Hashem's intervention, Hashem's quote-unquote problem. One may rightfully say yes and no. Because HaKadosh Baruch Hu has to destroy the world. Nayak's going to have to create it. In the world of Adam and Chava, so what happens is, okay, you know, life was supposed to be created for you. Now you have to create it yourself. Mm-hmm. Now you are saddled with the, with, with the difficulty of being able to create life with much more difficulty. The woman's able to do it easily. She was able to produce children easily. They were able to get stuff from the ground easily. I, what I said before, it'll be done for you. Not literally, but it's, it, it'll happen so easily. It just comes out of you naturally. You're able to produce it naturally. Now it's going to be very, very, very hard for you to produce it. The Itzavayin in HaKadosh Baruch Hu's creation, Hashem created the world. Hashem doesn't create the babies. Hashem doesn't create the bread. Right? He created a world that creates babies. He created a world that creates bread. Right? It comes from Him. But Lamaisa, his, he's the macro. He's destroying the macro. He's experiencing himself, the cycle of death and life. What, what, what is 
If you remember, back when we learned Perikimel of Gracious, we talked about how all of the curse of Adam and Chava is a curse of, of, there's not constancy. The world has to go through cycles of death and of life again, of living again, dying and coming to life again. The, the idea that a woman has the struggle of childbirth, right, what does it include? It includes all those aspects, which means that there isn't just this constant and regular generation of life. Whether it's the, 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 the monthly cycles, which is, there's a period when she's fertile, and then it stops, and it dies, and it falls apart, and it comes out as the blood of, uh, of Nidus, the menstrual cycle. Right? That's the cycle of life. Right? The toil which a person has is, you know, the food, food isn't just produced from the ground all the time. We go through springs, fall, we go through seasons where you have to plant and it grows slowly and it grows into what it's supposed to be and then it gets harvested and it comes down and, you know, you got to start again. Just not this constant flow of giving. The Mabu was an interruption in HaKadosh Baruch Hu's constant flow of giving. If there's a Vayis Atzev Eliboy, this philosophical problem which is created for us by the sadness which is visited upon HaKadosh Baruch Hu's heart, how can you say that about Hashem? How can you speak on that level about divine sadness? If um, if you're going to uh, if you're going to, to to speak about that, we we speak about the fact that what man has now succeeded in achieving it's not it's a dubious achievement, very very dubi- dubious achievement. But he's made Hakadosh Baruch Hu have to wipe the slate slate clean, stop for a period of time, his sustenance of the life of the world. That's the depths of the Mabul. To make Hashem into the destroyer. Instead of Hashem being the one who grants life. Adam sinned. He brought death to the world. Chava sinned. They brought death to the world. So it made it harder for them to generate life. But look what they've done now. Look what they've done now. They forced HaKadosh Baruch Hu to destroy the world. Hello, Dabarhu. It's a big thing. It's a very, very, very big thing. I think that has to be noticed in this Pasuk. The curse of Etzev, previously visited upon Chava and then upon Adam, is now visited upon the Rabbanish Lelam, so to speak. Yes, I understand there's a radical nature to that reading. That's what it says here. That's what it says here. Okay. Enough for that, Pasuk. Cheer up, guys. Um, actually, we're talking about, about destroying. Okay. Hashem, and Hashem said, I'm going to erase the man that I created from upon the face of the earth. From animal. From man to beast to creeper to the birds, because I regret that I made them. Whereas Noach found favor, so Hashem says, okay, we could have a discussion about who Hashem says it to. It's an open declaration to warn the world. It's Hashem saying it to his heart. This is the plan. You know, we've had both. Let's learn Rashi. And we're going to focus here in on this pasuk. Emcha esa adam, who offer, says Rashi, and this is from the Medrash, who offer va'aviyal of mayim ve'emcha elisay. He is of dust. I'm going to bring upon him water, and will erase him. You want to wash away. You want to dissipate the offer, the dust. What do you do? Right, hose it down, get rid of it, wash it away. Why does Rashi say this? Why does the matter say this? Well, it's looking for the term of michui, right? Emche, to erase, to, you know. So, so this fits that kind of terminology, michui. However, the language is chosen. He's offer. What have we had repeatedly in these psukim? Hashem reject, re- re- regretted that he made Adam ba'aretz. 
Rabbi said, but Oretz, right? what's the idea? Oi, why did I make man with such a strong physical component? Why did I make him minatachtoinim from the things down here on this earth? What was man made from? Vayitzer Hashem alikim asadam afar minadam, a man was made from dust. So the water is chosen, and the language of mechia, of erasure, is water washes away the dust. And the whole origination of this story is because man is dust, man comes from dust, he is dust. So therefore, for that man who comes from dust and is dust, let the water come and wash him away. That's the terminology. Okay, so it's just revisiting the same thing that we had before. But now, let us look at the next Rashi. The Pasuk says, I'm going to erase from man until beast, until creeper, until bird, because I regret that I made them. So we have a fundamental question, and the fundamental question is, why should Hashem destroy everything? Wasn't it man who sinned? Says Rashi. All these other things also sinned. They also corrupted their ways. Right? The idea that we know from Rashi elsewhere, right? Chazal tell us, Rashi will say that later in Parshas Noach. Even animals, wild animals, birds, they were mating out of their species. If there could be an immorality to an animal, that's the immorality. They were mating outside of their track, of their species. That's the, that's the failure. The, 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 um, the, Do we couch that in terms of hate or just corruption? What do you mean? Well, because hate implies the fear. Okay. Okay, so it's a good question. What are we going to do with, with, with Bechira over here? But they, the sum total, at the very least, was something which was a distortion of the way the world was supposed to be, and therefore they have to be destroyed as well. They also were, in some way, Hishchi Sudark. Dovar Acher, alternatively, Hakol Nivra Bishvil Adam, everything was, was created for man. If he's gone, what do you need this for? Hashem created animals for animals. What's, what's the purpose of the animal? The purpose of the animal is its role, its place within creation. And if man is being destroyed, everything is gone. These two pshatim of Rashi are different things which are said in the Medrash. And let's take a look a little bit at the original source. Rav Yudan v'Rav Pinchas, Rav Yudan Amar Moshe Lamelech Shemosars B'nai Lepedagog, a person, a king gave over his son to a pedagogue. What does that mean? A pedagogue, right? A teacher. And he corrupted the child. He, he, he sent him into a bad tarbut. Tarbut, right, we say is a culture. He, he raised him improperly. And the king was very upset with his child. Leolenu killed his child. Amar HaMelech Klum... Who caused my child to go this way? That guy. My child should be gone, and this one should be around. Whoa. Do you understand that, Medrash? The child is the, is the person. The Medra says that this is like the pedagogue. Now, it's very difficult to understand to say, okay, that they were the trainers, they were the teachers. But you could say that it was everything around them that was supposed to be a supportive environment, that was supposed to help them, but instead... The opposite. We'd have to say to some degree that it is the physical environment of the human being. The fact that the person is part of a physical material world that drew him and that made him go after Chet. 
It's all of this material world that did it. That's like what we've learned over and over again. That's a way to read the Medrash. And so HaKadosh Baruch Hu gets upset at the environment. Nichamti, what did he say? I can't believe I put man down there. That place is terrible. Look what it did to him. So he destroys the place. Rav Pinchas Omar. Person, a king was marrying off his son. And to marry off his son, he built a beautiful base chasnos, a beautiful wedding hall. He set an environment. He painted it, he designed it. Then something happened, and the king got upset at his son and killed his son. What did he do? He walks into the wedding hall. He starts breaking the barrels, ripping down the drapes. I made this for my child. It's useless now. He's not upset at the at the chuppah. In the first pshat, Rav Yudan's pshat was, it was the environment that did this to him. That you caused the problem. In the second pshat, it's not that you caused the problem. But you're meaningless to me. There's no meaning to having this building. The whole meaning to have this building was in order for it to be a beautiful environment for my child's wedding. But if the child is gone, Rahman al-Litzlan, then it's, it's a source of pain. It's a source of pain to see this thing. Destroy it. Get it away from here. It has no purpose. It's very different than the first interpretation. Right? Okay, so 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 then the Medrash goes with a little bit of a side that they actually brought the Rishoyim down, which is again sounding like the first one. First, Hashem got rid of their money so that people wouldn't say, you know, HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants our money. So, so all of these things that, 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 that it goes on here in this message to speak about, it speaks about the things that we had that caused us to stray, the silver and gold that we had when we went out of Mitzrayim, that caused us to get off track. Rabbi Zarya, B'Shem Rav Yudabrav Simons. Okay, this second paragraph is related to the first, but we're not going to get into the details of what it's illustrating. Hakol Kilkul Masein B'Dar the third paragraph. Everyone destroyed their ways in the Ramabal. Hakelev Hayolech Etzel HaZev HaTavos. All the animals, dogs were going to, to wolves, Birds to different species. Even the earth itself. Right, so again, they, they planted wheat and something else came out, and it's all from this issue of the Dara Mabul, the generation of the flood. So everything misbehaved. So we have really, really here in the Medrash three pshatim. One is Hashem destroyed the earth because the earth caused the problem. The second one is Hashem destroyed the earth because there's no purpose for the earth if not for man. And the third pshat is that the earth sinned along with man and therefore it also deserved to be destroyed. Rashi most specifically brings the first and the third and the third. He brings the third first. They also corrupted their ways. And then he brings the, 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 the second, rather. Everything was created for man. If he's gone, what do we need the rest of this for? So it seems to write in the Medrash. Let's go a little bit further here by looking, let's read how the Radak explains this. Radak is also built upon the ideas expressed in the Medrash. But he expresses it very, very beautifully and adds some, some nice things to this, to this equation. So he says everything is included. But why were they? 
Why were they destroyed? What did they do wrong? Everything was created for man. And if there's no man, what's their purpose? And secondly, What's the Eitzah, says Radak? Listen to this. Okay, the first shot is pretty straightforward. Does anybody have any question on the first shot, by the way? It's all created for man, so if you don't have man, what do you need this for? Anybody have any problem with that? Man's come back. Man's coming back. Man's coming back. Why do you have to destroy everything? Man's coming back. Why does I have to build a big teva? Let him build a little yacht. You're going to destroy all the people. Okay, so Nech will be spared. But why the lions, tigers, and bears? Why do you have to take everything into the Teva? Let Hashem only destroy the people who deserved it. And then let everything else survive. Aye, everything. Why should it survive? It only exists for the purpose of man. That's right. And he's going to be back and better than ever in one year. Why does the world have to be taken down to the studs? But that's a different shot. That's a different interpretation. Here, we're going with the interpretation that it's not because the animals did anything or anything happened to the animals, but because they're only here for men. So if man's not here, what do we need them for? So it's a fair question to ask. We're going to deal with it a little bit shortly. But listen to what Radak does himself to go a little bit further. And I think it's really, it's a, it's a brilliant piece here, very brilliant piece here, and can be understood to fit within this first shot. Listen. Look, how's Hashem destroying the world? With water. And we understand that to a certain degree, maybe the thing which you just said, the water to wash away the dust of man, uh, you know, more, more broadly, the water to, you know, to bring the world back to the beginning. But Hashem wants to destroy man with water. Like, how do you save the animals? How do you save, I mean, the whales wouldn't be a problem, actually, in this situation, right? But how do you save all the other animals? The water's coming and flooding the world. So it's going to flood out the man, and it's not going to flood the behemoths. So there have to be some miracle that the animals would be able to swim. So he says, but HaKadosh Baruch Hu doesn't have hashkocha on all the animals to save them. Hashem doesn't have hashkocha protis for animals. Hashem has hashkocha klolis for animals. The species. You know what hashkocha klolis means? He doesn't worry about the specific cow. He wants there to be cows in the world. This cow, that cow, there's no difference in this cow and that cow. There should be cows. And by the way, that makes perfect sense. If you recall, we discussed this back when we spoke about the creation of woman. There was a mitziv back there. There's no individual personality to a cow. You'll say, come on, I have a dog, and I had a dog, and this dog is this way, and that dog is that way. I understand. One goes yip, and one goes yap. Right? You know, I, I, you know that, that, that's first statement. But what I mean, the individual personality is, what really distinguishes one from the other? Yip or yap? Brown spots or black spots? That's nothing. It's a dog. It's a cow. A human being is the very particular result of how he is bocher, of how he chooses about the specific interaction between his body and his soul. A human being, there's no species. Every individual is his own species. The Nitziv wrote such a thing back there, you, you may recall. Every individual is his own species. And that's why, to some degree, the way the, the wife has to be created for Adam is from him, because he's his own species. 
she has to be broken off a piece of him. Hashgacha recognizes things this way. Why this animal as opposed to that animal? What's this animal versus that animal? Garnished. It's a cow. It's a dog. It's a wolf. That's all that it is. So miracles to save particular animals? No. Miracles to save that there should be a cow in the world? Yes. Says the 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 the, the Radak. Right? So once Noyach is bringing in something from the Min, so now that's taken care of. It's very interesting logic. Hashem's going to destroy man. The way he destroys man is with this big action. He's not going to make a miracle to save the animals. He's not going to make a miracle to save the animals. A miracle to save man, possibly. He's not going to make a miracle to save the animals. Because the animals aren't the purpose of creation. He says, why did the water have to cover the whole world? Let it cover only the inhabited world. He says, if there was, then man would escape to the uninhabited areas and so on and so forth. So this is how he, you know, adds to it a little bit. And I, I don't know, I, I, I find this uh, intriguing that uh, while they weren't the object of the mabul, the animals, however, to have Hashem reach out to save them also doesn't work. They were saved the same way Noach worked. Noach saved them. Yes, yes, yes. But it's 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 true. Hakadosh Baruch Hu, of course, how they all fit into the teva, how they are, everything. But Noach saved them. Noach was the one who picked out this, and then Hakadosh Baruch Hu says, "Okay, I need that for Kiyum Amin. Hashem's going to help it so that the species can survive. That's it's it's important." But how would he do that? You know, within the world. There, there's pulling out the, the specifics that's like by Noyach and will be by the animals as well. Noach also saved himself in a sense. Right? Yes, yes. The combination of saving himself, but HaKadosh Baruch Hu reached to him and he said, Noyach, go do it. Go do it. I'm warning you. This is what's going to happen. Go do it. Continues the Radak. He says, the animals also were doing the equivalent of immorality when it comes to an animal. And Hashem created each one to be with its species, not with others. So they did something which was against Maseh HaKel, how Hashem had created them. Some say like the first reason which we wrote, Hashem said, I created for the person If there's no man, then why do you need the behemoths? Okay, that's what it says. So, the Radak add a little bit. I think he added a little bit to the, to, you know, to the discussion. But this, these are the basic things. Again, one shot in the Medrash, not brought by Rashi. It is the physical world that caused man to stray, and therefore Hakadosh Baruch Hu wants to bring down the physical world along with man who has strayed after it. Another interpretation is the physical world only exists for the sake of man, and therefore. If man is gone, the physical world should be destroyed. And the third is that everything in the world also became corrupt. So let's go back now to that middle pshat, which is the first, which is a pshat which is brought the first in the medrash, or second in the medrash, pshat which Rashi brings. The whole world exists for man. If man is gone, let the rest be destroyed. And the question we asked was, no. Man is gone, but man will come back. So don't destroy everything else. You know, it's true that Hashem should have the world only exist without man. It means it's, it's garnished. Like, what on earth is the purpose? We don't need a world if there isn't man. So get rid of everything. But man is going to exist. So why did it all have to be brought back to nothingness? You know, before you have recreation. Why? That's a real question. It's a real question. So, you know, you could answer it in a technical sense that, you know, when man is being destroyed from the environment, so everything else ceases to exist from the environment. But I don't know, again, would we think practically that way? There's a statement in this destruction. 
there's a statement which was being made in creation when everything gets destroyed. Because man as a whole is destroyed, everything else has to be destroyed. It tells man what his role in creation really is. There's a Mishnah, a, a series of Mishnayas, Perikei and Pirkei Avas. Earlier in our learning in the Shir, we have discussed this. It's a very fundamental text. The ten statements with which the world was created. Basara Mamores Nivrahaila. Ask the Medrash, ask the Mishnah. It could have been created with one statement. Let there be a world. It's not too complicated. If Hashem could say, let the waters bring forth fish, and from that which come, would come out the millions, billions of species of fish, let the earth produce vegetation, and all the vegetation could come out. So why couldn't Hashem said, let there be a world, and let all that stuff come out simultaneously? That's the question which the Mishnah asks. And the Mishnah answers and says, it is to punish the wicked who destroy the world that was created with ten statements, and to give great reward to the righteous who uphold the world that was created with ten statements. And what does that mean? Oh, we created with ten statements, and that way the punishment is bigger, the reward is bigger. If the world could be created with one statement, so then created with one statement and punished them for destroying a world that was created with one statement. So we have explained many times that the idea is as follows. You know, if you're in a contest or you're taking an exam, right, and there's going to be rewards for this exam or for your performance or, and so on and so forth, right? So what happens? If you do well, what do you get? Get a nice prize. Get a lot of money. Right? If you don't do well, what happens? You get less of a prize. You don't get a lot of money. Maybe if you not only not do well, but the person does negatively, maybe they'll get this punishment or that punishment which will come upon themselves. Sometimes, you know, when we do mitzvahs in this world, that's what we think. Here I am. I am in a contest. I hope it will last 120 years. Through this contest, I'm going to try to do as many things as I can so that I will have a beautiful suite in the Elam Haba with wonderful, wonderful things. Wonderful things there. I'm in this to be able to do as best as I possibly can for myself in this endurance test, which is life, in trying to do the right things so that I will be greater and I will have greater reward. Wrong. Wrong. Oh, it's true. There are rewards for a person for good things in this world, and Leilein are the opposite as well. But what this Mishnah tells you is that tzaddik is not just congratulations, you did something good, you are rewarded. By what you did, you justify everything else's existence. The tzaddik is mekayim es ha'olam. The tzaddik upholds the whole world. Why? Because there's no meaning to the world without the tzaddik. Think about the mushal that the medrash just said. There was a king. He had a son. He built for that son a beautiful, beautiful base chasnas, a beautiful wedding hall with designs, with furnishings, with all kinds of wonderful things for this child. And then the child doesn't show up or the child does something to deserve to be banished. So then what happens? The whole thing gets destroyed. But if the child distinguishes themselves, they're wonderful, radiant, good, and they show up there, and the wedding, and everybody's there, and they look at it, and they say, wow, this is a celebration of the beginning of something unbelievable. What a home this family, this man and woman are going to build. What a contribution this person is going to make to, to everybody around him. They look and they say, ah, the setting for this child, for this wedding. They just, I, I, they should have done more. They should have done more. You justify everything around you. 
Hashem created the world with ten statements because you know what happens? That ten statements builds a hierarchy in creation so that when man comes on the scene, the whole world is there arrayed in front of him, his backdrop, his context. Ah, I set the table. That's the language of Chazal. He finds shulchan aruch lefanov. It's like he finds the table set for him. The whole world is there for man. You are the purpose of existence. Everything that Hashem created, He created for your sake. Don't think you're just in this little contest to see how much you're going to be able to walk away from. What are you going to be your winnings? Will you be Jeopardy's greatest player of all time? No. The whole world is there for a person to be the right kind of person. Person lives up to it, the whole world has meaning. If a person doesn't live up to it, it destroys the world. And, hey, we have exhibit A and exhibit B. Exhibit A is a man named Noach. Mishnah Bays. There are ten generations from Adam to Noach. It shows you how patient Hashem was. Because they weren't doing that well. In all those generations, they were getting Hashem more and more angry. Till the waters of the Mabul. Till he brought upon him the waters of the Mabul. What's exhibit A? Rishoim destroyed the world. They weren't just destroyed. They destroyed the world. The Mabul was a destruction of the entire world. It's hitting a reset button on creation. Not even a reset button for now, just a destruction of creation. The world was destroyed. Ten generations from Nayak till Avram, to Hashem's patience. They were angry Hashem till Avram Avinu came and received Schar. Kulam received the reward of them all. What does that mean? Because of Avram, there was purpose. The world world didn't have to be destroyed. There's a tzaddik here. A tzaddik who justifies the existence of the whole world. Yes, so we have to talk about it, and we have talked about it, and we will continue to talk about Be'ezus Hashem Yisbarach. Nayach, the world is destroyed. Nayach is saved. Avram, he is saved, and the world is saved. But you have such a thing as Rishoyim will destroy the world and Tzaddikim will uphold it. The world. The story of the Mabul, the reason why they're all destroyed was not because it was the most convenient way to get rid of everything. Because after all, it's only there for man, so what do we even need it for? Because we still need it. Because man is coming back. But it says, it says this, it shares this message. If you're gone, if I have to destroy all the people, then there's no purpose in the world. You have to understand, the world rests on your shoulders. <clears throat> Nothing else matters. Next time you go to Yosemite, to Bryce, to wherever you go, and you say, wow, look at this, amazing, the Swiss Alps, look at Hashem's creation, it's unbelievable, it's magnificent, it's huge. Take the next step. And what's the next step? I can't believe it. He made all of this for me. If I wasn't here, if the human being wasn't here, none of this would exist. This is all a setting for us. If that's so great, what am I? Tell me something. Do you think people would be Rishoyim? 
if they realized that the whole world existed only because of them? I don't think so. They created Nimrod. Huh? They created Nimrod. I could create a Nimrod? What do you mean? Yeah, like the whole world's created for me. I'm like the greatest thing in the world. I oh, okay. Me. Okay. It's true. A person could say it's all for me and just take it for themselves and forget about the Rabbana Shlil. It's true. That would be the self-centered version that forgets about the Rabbana Shlil. So they'd be a really, really amazing Russia. Nimrod was an amazing Russia. They wouldn't be a garden variety Russia. Right? They wouldn't be a, you know, let's go to the casino and, you know, whatever else it is. You know, no, they wouldn't do that. You want to be like a super Russia. Okay, it's true. The helps are for me. Right? And Marty, El Alboma Seov, Adam El Right? Nebuchadnezzar said that. Nebuchadnezzar is Nimrod version 2. People don't 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 feel it's it's about them. A world that gets lost in lust and indulgence and so on and so forth doesn't realize that the whole world depends on them. That's what happens here. That's why Akharish Baruch has to destroy it. It's not just oh I don't need it anymore. Yeah, it's true. If a king has a son one son and he's not going to have any more children and he built this thing it's a wedding hall and it's only for this son and now that the son is gone there's no purpose for the wedding hall anymore so let him go rip it down but he has other sons doesn't make sense but you know what maybe the king will still go on a rampage through that place why? Because he looks at it, he says, what is this thing? It's nothing. The whole world is nothing. If there isn't a human being that's going to connect the earth to the heavens. So Hashem says, get rid of this. It's nothing. There'll be another one. There'll be another one. I'll build another one. But I want to make clear. It's It's a visceral reaction and it's a statement to resound for generations. All in our heads. <laughs> it's an unbelievable thing. I, I, do, you, do you relate to what I'm telling you? For next time you go to, to the Canadian Rockies? They're much nicer than the American ones. I was never there. <laughs> that is generally true. I think the Canadian Niagara Falls are also nicer than the American Niagara Falls. That I've seen. Oh, there you go. I appreciate it. Thank you, Jeff. <laughs> Next time you go there, look at it, be amazed, and say, hey, my goodness, that was created for me. That was created for me. It's unbelievable. You know, can I share with you a hergish, a feeling? It's not a, it, it's a little non-scientific, you know? But it's a but it's a feeling. We are blessed, Baruch Hashem, to be a generation of tremendous, tremendous growth. Numbers growth. You know, when when uh, Rabbi Ram Kalmanovich came to speak to the survivors of the war. My father included in them. My father spent a lot of time with him in Marienbad in Europe after the war. He asked the kasha from Noyach. What was the kasha? So Noyach will have later in Parshas Noyach in Hashem that Noyach got, got hurt in the teva. Why? Because he was late with lunch for the lion. You don't want to be late for lunch for the lion. So the lion took a little bit of lunch from Noyach. And Nayak was left hobbling, wounded. Asked Rabbi Avram Kalmanovich, poor guy. I mean, 
it's always somebody's mealtime, right? That's what it says. In a whole year, he's spending there. He's a zookeeper for the whole creation. Doesn't say anything, by the way, about his kids helping, right? And 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 and, and he's just running mealtime to mealtime to mealtime to mealtime. Poor guy. So he's a little bit late for the lion. He should get a bite taken out of his hip because he's a little bit late for the lion for lunch one day. What's going on? If you realize that there's one pair of lions left in the world, and without these lions, there won't ever be another lion, you're not going to be late. You can't be late. How many yeshiva students do we have left in the world? He says, we can't be late. That's 1945, 1947. Today, there are two yeshivas in the world that have many times over the total sum of all the yeshiva bachrim of before the war. Mir and Lakewood have 8,000, 9,000, I don't know where, I don't know what the numbers are anymore. Bli Ayinara, tell me them. And the whole census of the yeshivas in Europe, there, there weren't 3,000. It's, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. So we have a big challenge. How do you make a child feel the whole world is for you? Yeah. Right. In 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 my time, right. So so the 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 the, the my Rebbe Rabbi Glusin, who you've met, who founded the yeshiva, went to to sell my parents that they should come and send their child to the yeshiva. It wasn't wasn't a hard sales job, Baruch Hashem. Yeah. And that's what happened, you know. People went fundraising for yeshivas. They went fundraising, they went, they found a bar. Come, come, come to the yeshiva. Money, forget money. Just come to the yeshiva, come to the yeshiva. Another another Jew. Now, right, in some places you have to fight to get your child. Make my day. Right? I have to find 15 connections to call in order to be able that somebody's going to look at the child. You know, it's like... And the weddings... If you want to make a wedding, it could cost a lot of money. We now have a great system. What's the system? You have a hall. They make the wedding. They got it down to a science. Every night, same crew comes in. Okay, maybe you can choose between this kind of chicken and that kind of chicken. But basically, they got it down. The chairs go here. For the first part, the tables get set up this way for this part. The whole thing is all boilerplate. Who's wedding tonight? This person's. Who's wedding tomorrow night? That person's. It's a very different feel than what's described here. It's very what's type described in the time of the Gemara. Person's getting child was born. They planted this kind of a tree for the boy, that kind of a tree for the girl. They would put it together, make a chuppah. And when the time came, oh yeah, you know. Put it together to make a chuppah. Just call the place where they just, you know, they just churn it out. One phone call gets the whole wedding done. It's amazing. It saves a lot of money. It's a good thing. It saves a lot of trouble. It's a good thing. But when the kids show up at the hall and somebody says, okay, okay, here, I know whose wedding is it today again? It's not a good thing. They should feel like the whole world is built for them. Like the whole world is built for them. Let's make this thing. The Alps. Wow, amazing, the Alps. They're so, it's so beautiful, the Alps. Hey, one second. That beautiful thing was created so that I could rise to the challenge, so I could be something. It managed, is transformative to a human being. The Nesoyan of having so many. You know, the Gemara says we can't learn halachas of kibbut tamad chacham from Masa Machsia. 
I think Masamachsia, one of the cities there, I think Masamachsia. Where says they didn't, they can't learn from Masamachsia. They had so many Talmud Chacham in their Gisibu Rabbanan, they didn't know how to honor them. They, they were a dime a dozen. You can't learn how precious a wedding is when you have them all the time. I once got the best Musa from somebody. I don't remember who gave it to me. I was going to a, uh, to a wedding on a Sunday. It was a Sunday. And I was rushing around. It was, you know, whatever. Rabbinic Sundays can sometimes be interesting. And I'm driving to the wedding. I'm speaking to somebody while I'm on the way to the wedding. And I say, excuse me, but... I uh, I won't be able to speak long because I'm on my way to the wedding to a wedding, and the person said, "Really, you're on the way to a wedding? That's so exciting! Have a great time." And to me, it was like, "What are they talking about? I have to go to a wedding." I said, "You know something? Wow, that's right. There's a couple." Right? At the other end of this road, that's starting their life together. It's like the most exciting day they've ever had in their lives. They're going to remember it, Be'ezus Hashem, joyfully forever and ever and ever. And I'm coming in and I'm saying, oh, Mazel Tov. Okay, I got that one off my calendar. Crazy! It's nuts! Great, Moser. I'm so excited to go to your, to your daughter's wedding today, Shlomo David. Mazel tov. Have a great day. The whole world is for us. Remember.